Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever and whenever you are in the world, you're listening to the 44th Scottish Field Podcast, released on Friday, April the 29th, 2022. Thanks for joining us today. My name's Kenny Smith and I'm the web editor of Scottish Field. Every month, Scottish Field brings you the best of all things Scottish, heritage interiors, antiques, gardens, wildlife, motoring, whisky and country news, as well as interviews with famous Scots names. Our May edition has just arrived in shops and to purchase online, and in it, our monthly wildlife feature sees Patrick O'Braith getting up close to the Keeper Cayley, examining why it has become under threat as a species. We also ask what price animal welfare, with the corporisation of veterinary practices resulting in hefty bills, is animal welfare starting to suffer, we ask. From present-day animals to beasts from the past, as when it comes to dinosaur hunting, Edinburgh University's Professor Steve Broussat is the man for the job. As a trailblazing photographer, Clementina Maud's works are a rare insight into family life in the Victorian era, and contemporary landscape artist Helen Glassford showcases her spectacular work inspired by the ever-changing land and seas. For French photography duo Alexia Winterhalter and Ferdinand Sexauer, venturing to the Highlands was like stepping onto a movie set as we showcased their work. We also feature the winner of the Glencairn Glasses inaugural short story competition run in association with Scottish Field, with the winning entry in this month's magazine. The two runners-up stories are available on our website if you look under the culture section. Scottish Field meets nature-obsessed Kevin Hughes, who transformed Cali Gardens at Gatehouse of Fleet into a wildlife haven, and bold colour and modern design are at the heart of a stunning Glasgow home in our monthly interiors feature. In food, we meet Ruri Emsley this month, a native of Stonehaven and a former chef in London's fine dining kitchens. He has returned home to cook stunning food that's fresh, local, and made with great care and love in the great outdoors. Talking of all things edible, we also learn about the Freedom Bakery, which gives prisoners the opportunity to launch an exciting career in hospitality. And our mystery diner reviews Glasgow's Chalantos, which has just earned a bib gourmand. In her credo column, JJ Chalmers, the TV presenter and former Royal Marine, talks all things Scotland and strictly come dancing. In our regular columns, sourcing the perfect pair of trues is of the utmost importance to Alexander McCall Smith. Guy Grieve is bursting with pride, having witnessed his son take home the gold in the boxing ring. Fiona Armstrong reflects on the changing of the seasons. In field sports, it's survival of the fittest, as Michael Wigan and his fellow anglers await the return of the sea-run salmon. In whisky, Blair Bowman talks of rare bottles, and the kudos of owning one could cost you a pretty penny. And in motoring, Neil Linden finds the Land Rover Discovery Sport PHEV may claim mystifying mileage capabilities, but its off-road handling is truly in a league of its own. All this and much more is in the latest Scottish Field, price £4.75. To find out more about how to order or to subscribe, just visit www.scottishfield.co.uk forward slash subscriptions. Now, we're joined by our first guest, Sanjeev Kohli, the Scots actor, comedian and writer. 
He's best known for his role as shopkeeper Naveed Harid in the BBC sitcom Still Game, Ramesh Maju in the hilarious radio sitcom Fags, Mags and Bags, and AJ Jandu in BBC Scotland soap opera River City. So, firstly, who are you most recognised as when you're spotted in the street? I'm still mostly recognised as Naveed. Uh, it's a bit more River City, I'd say, the last couple of years. And obviously I look more like AG than I do Naveed, but I sound a lot like Naveed. But weirdly, um, also there's the Tonics advert. Uh, and very, really, really strangely, um, I'm the voice of an app called the Couch to 5K. Don't know why they asked me. <laughs> Basically you go on this couch and it's pretty self-explanatory. It's like you, know, you can run, you can learn, learn how to run 5K or train yourself in eight weeks. Uh, and you can choose four voices. One is Michael Johnson, who used to hold the world record for 200 meters. You can choose Joe Wiley, the velvety-voiced Radio 2 uh, presenter, um, Sarah Milliken, or me. <laughs> and weirdly, some people do choose me, and then um, I'll, I'll get tweets saying, oh, thanks for getting me through the Couch to 5K, and I immediately tweet back with, don't you want to stab me in the face? Don't you just associate my voice with pain, with hot lungs and burning thighs? But people are really like, they feel like they're, you're on the journey with them. And um, and I, I used the app recently, not my own voice, I used to add. Um, so that's been a bit, in fact, I was, it was at the, the Scottish BAFTAs recently and, and a woman came up and said, could you do me a favour, Just could you say into my phone, you're doing really well, Bridget? She said, because I, I use the app and you keep saying you're doing really well, but it'd be just if you just said my name. So I did, I recorded on the phone, so I don't know what she did with that. Is that the strangest job you've had? That's, that's a, bit, a bit weird, you're, sit, you're sitting in a, in a studio with a jumbo album croissant and a, and a flat white, you're like, now, remember what we said, keep up the pace, eat, consume, eat, consume. <laughs> so I feel a bit less hypocritical now that I've used the app and I completed it actually. Uh, but yeah, so it's still, it's still the read mostly, which is, which is fine. Which is yeah. Good. Still game business, how do you look back on it? Oh. I mean, it's just, I, I mean, I, that's been, a, I'm going to see the word journey now. That's been a journey that's been ongoing since, it's been, Ford and Greg have been a part of my life since 1997 when I, when I really started in comedy. Because um, I used to write, uh, I got asked to produce the very first Radio Scotland series of Chewing the Fat, which is obviously the pro still game. So I was there right at the beginning, producing it. I say producing, all I was doing was stop looking at stopwatch because they, <laughs> Ford and Greg, they did everything really, I mean, you know, they, they, they knew it inside out. Uh, and then I became a writer on the radio show, then a writer on the telly show. And then um, they, they very kindly cast me in the spin-off from Tune the Fat. Now, there, there, were, there were several possibilities for spin-offs from, from Tune the Fat. One was Ronald Villiers, <laughs> and one was Cameron Barr's teacher character. And Donnie and I wrote a pilot for that. Um, where she, the backstory with her that we wrote was, was the reason that she was the way she was, was that she'd been jilted at the altar and had been like arrested development. She just stayed as this kind of sort of sexless female sort of thing yeah. and lived with her dad with dementia and was pretty sad. <laughs> um, and um, that, so that didn't get picked up, but Jack, Jack and Victor got picked up with Still Game and then the, the boys, Greg liked the way I put impersonated my dad. So that's kind of, I mean, it's still audition, but that was kind of, you know, a favoured audition, if you like. And so then I'm suddenly in Still Game, which is always going to be a success because people loved Ford and Greg and they, and they loved the characters already. And it had already been the stage play, so they already had a backstory. 
So I'm a new thing in something that they love. Mm-hmm. So it's for me to break it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So that whole first series before it went out, I was really scared that I would be the thing that broke it. But thankfully, it went the other way, and I can't thank them enough. I mean, it's I joke about it, but people say, "Oh, do you, are you sick and tired of being recognised as a veto? Why would I be? He's a universally loved character and a universally loved sitcom. And in a weird, in a political weird way, I, I like that he celebrates what people have in common. I've always said that about him, is that a lot of um, drama or whatever, comedy or any art, tends to demonise Muslims and Asians, whereas this humanises them. He's, he's an actual person. Yes, he's a Muslim, but it's not the first thing he is. Yes, he's Asian, but it's not the first thing he is. He's, he's a sarcastic. He's, you know what I mean? He's, yeah. he's, he's arrogant. He's all these things. Oh, and by the way, he goes to a wedding in episode six of the first series, not episode one. So it's you know, subtle. Yeah. I think the boys have been very clever the way they've written him. Mm-hmm. And they've written a fully rounded human being who's such a laugh to play. I love playing him. I know this guy. I knew I could do the accent and I knew I could physicalise it. So if I get buried dressed as the bead, I'll be happy. And I probably will, actually, just so more people come. <laughs> what were you doing before you got into working with the radio? Before I got... So I was originally going to be a doctor, so I started a medical degree, but I hated it and I chucked it in after four months. And then I did a maths degree because I thought I'd better do something. So I got my maths degree and then I started a PhD in maths and... Um, I chucked that as well after four months because it was making me too sexy. <laughs> when you tell women that you're doing PhD in maths, it's, it's, it's dangerously sexy. So I thought, no, I can't cope with the, all the sex I'm having. No, I, I was too, I wasn't clever enough. So um, I jacked in the PhD and I came back to Glasgow and I signed on and travelled a bit and thought to myself, well, I've got a maths degree, so you're going to be an accountant or a teacher. Didn't, you know, teaching would have been nice. You know, I could see myself as a maths teacher. I'd be head of a department by now. Maybe even as deputy head, but um, uh, I didn't fancy accountancy or actuary or any of that stuff. But I thought, bite the bullet, you've got a good degree, you can use it. Uh, but then I got the phone call that changed my life. It was a friend of mine from uni who uh, was producing a radio show and she was looking for new presenting talent. And it wasn't a comedy show, it was like a magazine kind of show for the ethnic minorities in Glasgow. So it got exactly as many listeners as you'd imagine seven. <laughs> uh, but I was presenting it and found that was sitting in that studio was the most natural thing in the world. And, I, and you know, I, I, I had very vague thoughts about maybe a career in the media, but I didn't know where to start with that. Um, so this was my in. So I'm presenting this radio show and then I'm writing my own scripts and I'm putting jokes in just because I'd grown up watching comedy. I never mm-hmm. thought of myself as a comedian or anything like that. And that got picked up on, that got me into sketch writing. And that's really where it started. So I was a radio presenter and a sketch writer. And I guess just after, and then, and then Donnie and I, I was writing with Donnie, and then Donnie and I got commissioned for an idea we put in for a, a, a sketch show. I mean, it was called Shredded Week, so it was a listing show, the idea being, we shredded the week for you, so if you wanted to see one play, just go and see this one, read one book, read this one, mm-hmm. watch one soap, watch this one. But we did it in character. So for example, the soaps roundup was done by Emperor Palpatine from Star Wars, because <laughs> Donnie could do a brilliant Emperor Palpatine. So, the, the clo- at the end of every soap roundup, it was Donnie saying, and finally, Hollyoaks, wipe them out, all of them. <laughs> then we did a, a, a roundup of the uh, art scene, I played uh, as two Neds called Alan and Govinda Jege, which is why Govinda Jege is my Twitter handle, that's where that comes from. All right, ladies, I'm Alan Jege, so are we raw Govinda? Where? Today we're at the Taunt Theatre to review our bad markets, Pash. And they end up reviewing the toilets. Um, we'd, we'd do a book, a book review both as Tom Paulin from the Newsnight Review. I, I wanted to like Harry Potter, but I couldn't. Uh, so it was just us fanning about acting. But I, I guess I found something 
and that and that's really where it started where I, the first acting thing I did I didn't see it as acting I thought I saw it as just and I think it's that stupid self-reflexive thing about comedy where comedy is drama with extra stuff but comedy's never win Oscars but comedy still has to follow the same rules as drama oh and by the way I need to laugh three times a page never I never understood if you, if you made a, a comedy and it didn't obey the three-act rule it wouldn't make you know it's, it's extra stuff mm-hmm. um, so in as much as I denigrated it at the time I was acting and that's kind of where it started yeah what's the, your favorite place in Scotland oh blimey I'm a slightly obsessed with electric bray do you know that yes, bray is? yes right. indeed nature well look online on uh, uh, YouTube look for synthesizer Battelle and uh, electric bray and I uh, have recorded a song about electric bray as synthesized Patel from Look Around You, which is a character I played in, God, how long? 14 years ago? Our family would take, when we'd visit visitors from India, uh, we would take them to Loch Lomond, Bonnie Pat Cash and Carry, and Electric Bray. And we'd push our Volvo up the hill backwards and, and had a great time. And no one else seemed to know about it. I had met up with a guy, a guy called Far End Jim, who did a brilliantly funny song about Andy Murray. And I just I listened to it about a year after it was put out on the internet and, and I thought, this is really funny. And, and I just like tweeted him, I said, look, I don't know you, but just to say, I think this is really, really funny. And he got back and said, well, do you want to record something? I said, uh, hi. And then we met up in, in a cafe and um, I was talking about my obsession with Electric Bray. It's something that Donnie and I have used loads in stuff we've done. And... Um, I was saying, you know, I'm slightly obsessed with Electric Bray, and, and, he, and I said, what, what might be quite funny is if, is, is if, if we invent a character. It's almost like a, a, a Scottish version of someone like Sal Solo from Classics Nouveau, or Andy McCluskey from OMD, like an electronica guru, but from Scotland who didn't quite make it, but goes back to Electric Bray to, to channel its energy and its magic. And Jim said, why don't you just do it at Synthesizer Patel? I said, why don't I just do it at Synthesizer Patel? I hadn't thought of that. And I got Peter Stelepinovich and Robert Popper's permission. And then I wrote this song called, called uh, Electric Bray. Uh, and it's out there, which is great. Slight, I'm a bit annoyed with myself, though, because the first two lines are, it's on the road to air, there's no brown sign there. There is a brown sign there. It had been put up since I'd been. So what Jim did, he made like a cheapy video from YouTube clips. And as I see the words brown sign, it's a car going past the brown sign, <laughs> which is which is funny, but yeah, um, electric brake I'm very fond of, and also I'm going to say Crinan because that's where I proposed to my missus. Oh, yeah. Obviously, you, you love your music. Yeah. Who's your favourite group? I grew up with the music of Deep Purple, mm-hmm. so I've always, in fact, funnily enough, I've just been out walking the dog and stuff, and I've got YouTube music, and I find myself going to back to Deep Purple a lot. But um, also, I mean. I do really love Public Enemy and the Beastie Boys and Led Zeppelin and uh, Beck. I've got into Anna Meredith recently. I mean, I, I fa- what I do have to say is I find it quite baffling how much choice there is now, and it and it does actually sort of scare me. Oops, I was to say. Um, so I'll tend to. So I I find it really it's, it's almost like there's too much stuff out there, mm-hmm. and I, I still find myself catching up with old stuff like. I want to catch up with the full Talking Heads back catalogue and the Bowie stuff that is less familiar. Yeah. And I'm still supposed to keep up with the new stuff. And it's, it's, it's so, 
it's almost too easy in that weird Calvinist way. So um, mm -hmm. I tend to use six music as my curator. Yes. So um, that's a that's a good that's a good jump off point. But I used to be mad for my hip hop, mm -hmm. and I keep going back to sort of late '80s, early '90s hip hop. I'm not mad keen on the stuff. I just sound like an old fogey now, but um, I don't, I don't <laughs> see it as being any better. I don't see anyone sounding as angry as Chuck D from Public Enemy, no. or as snarly as Rakim from Eric being Rakim. You mm -hmm. know, so I tend to go back to that era of hip hop. And if you listen to Lauren Laverne and Six Music, she tends to play that era, like mm -hmm. De La Soul and stuff, yeah. which I adore. So I have quite broad tastes. Mm -hmm. really. Anything with a good beat, absolutely. Anything with a good beat. Yeah. What makes you laugh? What makes me laugh? Um, Eric Morecambe always makes me laugh, Tommy Cooper always makes me laugh, Chris Morris and Amanda Nucci, anything they do makes me laugh in a very different way. But Chris Morris is probably my living hero. I, I auditioned for Four Lions, yeah, I couldn't believe it happened. So uh, what happened was there's a, a casting agent called Des Hamilton and uh, he was casting Four Lions and I knew him a bit and... Um, God, Four Lions, that, mm. that's such a great film. I know, I know. Yeah, he's, I mean, I've been a big fan of his since the day to day. Oh, God, yeah. And just obviously in the radio version, I mean, it's just so brilliant. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so long story short, I got a, 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 an audition with Chris Morrison. It was just me and him in a room for about 45 minutes. I'm thinking, don't, don't be like Rick Mail when he says to his lecture, oh, we've got the same trousers. <laughs> I mean, that thing, trying not to fangirl. And I, just, I think I successfully did. It's a bit of a blur, actually, because there's a lot of things going on in my head. And he was lovely, by an utter gentleman. He, he gave me a few goals. At the, I said, do you want me to do my this accent, this middle-class private school Glasgow accent, or do you want me to have a go at the, the Leeds Asian accent? Do you want me to have a go at it? Because I can you know, give it a go. And he, he let me do different things. And when I look back, I was reading in for Riz, mm -hmm. Riz Ahmed's line. So, like, that was the lead. So I was never going to get it, because he's fucking brilliant, as is Kayvan Novak, as is everyone. Adi Lachter, they're all brilliant. Uh, and I, it was sort of win-win because if I'd have got the job, I'd been working with Chris Morris, but my wife was really scared that I was being a terrorist. So it was like, she didn't want me to get the job. And mm -hmm. I said, well, look, he's casting Asians. This is the best chance I've got to work with my hero. Anyway, I didn't get it in the end, um, but he was lovely. And then just at the end, I'd managed not to fangirl, right? I'd managed to just like kind of keep my self-esteem high. And then it was not long after the terrorist attack on Glasgow airport. So whenever that was, yeah. Like maybe a couple of months afterwards. So he said, oh, have you got far to travel? I said, well, Glasgow. He said, oh, right. Um, are you flying? I said, yeah. He said, oh, is there still security at the airport? And I said, yeah, the only the only vehicle they let in was a, a lorry of Febreze because of the smell of burnt hair. And I don't even know where it came from, right? And he laughed. So I didn't get the job, but I made Chris Morris laugh. So that'll do me. <laughs> I love uh, Vic and Bob as well. And uh, I had the chance to work with Bob Mortimer on... Uh, uh, Angelos, who's the uh, Angela Pathemia played mm -hmm. by Dan Renton Skinner, he did a, an internet version mm -hmm. of his life, and I was one of his one of the acolytes. So that was that was good fun. Bob Mortimer directed me, and and he wore my jacket as well during one of the takes. I'm, oh. Yeah, looking forward to your Vic and Bob show tonight. Yes, BBC that's right. I've got that Sky Plus. Yeah. Me too. I've been I've been listening to uh, Athletical Mints, which is I can recommend to anyone. It's it's Bob Mortimer just undiluted is beautiful. Yeah, was, I'm, I've been a fan of Vic and Bob since the yeah. since day one. Yes, and Big Night Out. So. Oh, totally. Fred, yeah. it was genius. genius. Yeah. So finally, do you believe in ghosts? I used to say no and be quite dogmatic about it, but uh, the older I've got, the more broad-minded I've got. Too many people I know have had experiences. So, um, and I quite like the idea of energy being left at a you know that violent scene. But I've not had an experience personally with a ghost. 
you know, yeah, we've all lost keys and stuff like that, and that might be a ghost. And that whole, you know, one sock missing thing might be a ghost. But um, currently got that going on at the moment. But if, if, if I were a ghost, I would do much more mischievous shit than hide a sock or a toothpick. You know what I mean? So I would, I'd be looking at breed cords and cars and stuff. Um, so no personal experience of ghosts, but I'm not ruling out. Brilliant. Our thanks go to Sanji for taking the time to chat. And if you want to keep up to date with him and what he's been doing, you can find him on Twitter at at Govinda Jeggy. That's G-O-V-I-N-D-A-J-E-G-G-Y. Our final guests this week are a pair of actors who are coming to Scotland very soon as part of the Boswell Book Festival. The world's only book festival dedicated to biography and memoir returns live to Dumfries House in East Ayrshire from the 13th of May to the 15th this year. Named in honour of the great biographer James Boswell, the first festival was held in 2011. Following the success of last year's online festival, with guests and audiences from around the globe, many of this year's events will also be live-streamed. Kicking off the festival on Friday the 13th will be the accidental footballer Pat Nevin, who, despite having 28 caps for Scotland and played for clubs like Everton, Chelsea, Kilmarnock and Clyde, and of course had a spell as chief executive of Motherwell, never had any intention of making chasing a ball his actual career. Following him on the inaugural evening will be the Yorkshire shepherdess Amanda Owen and then Scottish superstar singer-actress Barbara Dixon. While rounding off on Sunday the 15th, Frank Skinner and Denise Mina will be discussing their adventures in the footsteps of Boswell and Johnson. Skinner will also be talking about his renowned poetry book and podcast, along with his comedian's prayer book. Another star appearance will be by Graham McTavish of Outlander and The Witcher fame. Other thespians treading the boards will be Martin Jarvis, the unique voice of Just William and Jeeves, who will also be talking about acting with his wife, the actress Rosalind Ayres. And without further ado, let's meet them. Hello, I'm Rosalind Ayres. And I'm Martin Jarvis. Good morning to both of you. It's a real joy to have you on the Scottish Field podcast as you're two of my favourite actors as I do listen to a lot of radio. So thank you for coming on. Pleasure. Well, thank, you for, thank you for asking us. Yeah, We're, we're pleased to be here and uh, let's hope we can give you some <laughs> vaguely interesting information, Kenny. I think that you'll manage that, sir. I think you will. Of course, you're coming up to the Boswell Book Festival and it's a place that I know that you hold in great affection. Well, it's certainly tr true, we do. Um, uh, this will be our second uh, visit. We had such a wonderful time when we came up five or six years ago and uh, I was able to give a, a bit of a performance of uh, a Just William story and um, a, a Jeeves and Worcester uh, story. And of course, we stayed in this wonderful Dumfries house where we were so, we so loved the shower, uh, on Sweet Shower in uh, uh, this beautiful room that we were given. So much so that, uh, well, Ros will tell you the rest of the story. Well, we, we took photographs of it because we thought this is the shower of, the shower of dreams. <laughs> and we've recreated it here. Wow. <laughs> Yes, we got rid of our old bath, which was crumbling somewhat, and um, <laughs> and 
built this this shower that is a replica of the one that mm. is there in Dumfries. Yes, we found that we found that we could get almost the same shower that I don't know whether it was Prince Charles's team that had put the shower because yeah. <laughs> originally in I the think they'd, they'd renovated it, wasn't it? Uh, uh, yes, I think so. The place we stayed was like converted smaller houses or bar outhouses and beautifully done really mm. most attractive and with especially nice shower so there we are so we, we if for no other reason the bonus for us was that we got a lovely idea for our own we still think of it as being a new shower here in this house in london but um uh, but th that was great to do we also did um uh, yeah, we, we did the, those two, uh, William and, and Jeeves things. This time, um, we're going to do a chat. Ros and I are going to, I think, be interviewed in the morning of um, the 15th, is it? Yes, sun the Sunday. Sunday. Uh, and then I'll do a performance of two new, not new, but new, new to this audience of a Just William story uh, and, and uh, also a, a Jeeves story that I haven't performed before for a live, live audience um, in Scotland. Fantastic. I mean, I think that, Martin, you're somebody who I've grown up with, you know, and Jack and Ori and things like that over the years. So you're one of the most reassuring voices. You know, it's, I hear you speak and I'm just, ah, it's a, you know, <laughs> safe, a safe, warm tone. Well, I, I don't know about that, but thank you. And I hear you speak of Jack and Ori, and I, I think to myself, you're dating both of us. Uh, <laughs> a little older than you look Kenny oh, I'm I'm a very youthful 47 and three quarters <laughs> well you're doing very well oh I'm thank hopefully you. a fairly youthful much older than that <laughs> you look about 54 55 Martin and Rose I think uh, you're about 22 23 <laughs> well, that's what we we, we aim to <laughs> I suppose getting the chance to come up to Scotland for an event like this. It's a very unique kind of event, isn't it? It, it is. Uh, it, it seems to be very much the festival of, of biography. I, I don't know whether they actually at one time called it the Boswell Festival, but the implication, of course, uh, with Boswell is, is that it is stories about interesting folk. Um, and so we're coming uh, to tell Ritual Crompton story for, for a start in terms of the Just William, appropriate because this year is the centenary of the first collection of William stories. Uh, that was 1922. Uh, she first began William just at the end of the First World War, really. She, her first story, I think, in Home Mag was published uh, in 1919. Not for children. Uh, it was in this magazine that was more for mothers, I think, than even dads, but certainly a, a, a adult magazine. It seemed that parents loved the story of this 11-year-old character, William Brown, and then they started to uh, look out for the stories uh, over the year and, and the next year and read them to their kids <clears throat> or give them to the kids if the kids were old enough read them and it became it was really the sort of Harry Potter of its day you see the William stories and um, uh, and so it went on and then the first collection called Just William came out in uh, exactly a hundred years ago so we're celebrating that really 
um, uh, as well. And uh, I, I'm going to do one of my personal favorite stories, which is called William Holds the Stage, which is a, a remarkable story of an old boy from William's school who turns up. He's just written a biography of uh, Shakespeare. And he, um, William is very interested and sees himself as a fellow writer. He says, I've written a book. No, it's a jolly sight more interesting than anything by Shakespeare. It's called Dick of the Bloody Hand. Um, <laughs> about a pirate. Um, and so it goes on. So, um, uh, yeah, it, it, we, we, we love the, the, the team headed by Caroline Knox, who's a, a delight. And she's got this wonderful team of people who make the festival happen. Because yes. I think they've, they've obviously had a, a, a long gap while we've all been enduring this pandemic. So I think to get it together is, is really admirable, sort of dragging the whole thing together mm. after, after an extended break. This work brought you both to Scotland a fair bit over the years. A fair bit. We did a film uh, in, in Peebles, The Glen at Peebles. We did a, a TV film, which was great fun to do, written by um, Antonia Fraser, one of her first filmic um, scripts. Um, uh, we even wondered whether it was so great, uh, Harold Pinter, who'd become her partner, where I might have been looking over her shoulder to look, look here, Antonio, I, I, don't you think he ought to come in on a horse over there? I don't know whether, um, I don't know whether there was, but she, it was a, a terrific script by, by Antonia. And um, it was called Sh uh, Charades. We stayed with um, the Glen Connors, um, and Glen Connor, I remember. Um, and the little, the little girls were quite young yes, then. The little twin, twins. twin girls. And, um, and in fact, we, we took the boys up because it was all through August, which was school holidays. So they had a wonderful time. They had a wonderful time. Stayed in a cottage on the estate, in fact, I'm just remembering that now. Um, but we were also allowed, and, and the boys were extra thrilled, we were allowed to use their swimming pool. It was, it was outside, but it was heated, thank God. <laughs> and, but shaped like a thistle. Oh, wow. It's rather, mm -hmm. rather nice. So that was a, a terrific um, uh, filming time. I think we have also done uh, one or two other uh, uh, things in Scotland. And recently we took the importance of being earnest, the older version, which I think we called it. The where, mature version. Uh, the, well, the mature version. But uh, some people said we shouldn't call it the mature version because it gave it a slightly sort of... Um, racy a feeling about <laughs> it. Uh, but um, basically we, we played Edinburgh and Glasgow with, with all our old friends really with uh, Nigel Havers played a much older Algernon I played a much older Jack who is Ernest Ros played a slightly older Miss, Miss Prism, Miss Prism. <laughs> and Sean Phillips was um, a, a, a much older and of course completely wonderful uh, Lady Bracknell, and we set it within the context of us being a very keen, dedicated theatrical company who loved doing the importance of being earnest so much that they did it every few years. For, and they've been doing it for 30 years when the, initially they were the right age for the part, uh, which indeed Nigel and I were originally when we, when we did it under the direction of Peter Hall at the National Theatre 
more than 30 years ago. <laughs> That's wonderful. I suppose the great thing about being able to come back here, and as you mentioned earlier before we started recording, having been in the USA, now that the pandemic is receding, shall we say, the fact that you're able to get out and about and showcase your craft, which particularly with an audience presence, that must be so rewarding for you, knowing that you've got that coming up again. Absolutely, yes. I think it's, um, I think actors have missed performing for audiences, but audiences have missed being able to see live action. Martin did um, a play at the, uh, sort of like a pop-up production at the Garrick. Oh, they yeah. did a series mm. of these very, mm. to just test how the theatre was going to operate, given the protocols. They had worked out a brilliant system. It was most impressive. At the Garrick Theatre. the Garrick mm. Theatre. But the cheer when the actors walked onto the stage, I've never heard really anything like it in a theatre. Which was surprising because we had been worried that the audience was still all masked. This was last yeah. year. Uh, audience was masked. And, and sitting yet, in alternate seats alternate as well. Seats. So it's... And we thought, well, this is a quite an amusing play. Will we get the laughs and will we hear the laughs from the live audience? The mask didn't seem to worry anybody, didn't worry the audience and certainly didn't worry us. Uh, the responses and the reactions uh, came through. So that was um, a, a, a lovely pointer and a guide to being able to eventually now come back and um, do live things in front of live audiences. Yeah, it's an amazing feeling because I was at Glasgow's King's Theatre when Chicago, well, that was their first production when the lights came back on and it was just wonderful, just the atmosphere beforehand and pretty much as soon as the curtain went up, the applause began and it was just about for a minute or so before the production could properly begin and afterwards it was just amazing and it was just to feel that atmosphere and just to share in that experience with the cast and I absolutely understand what you're saying and it's it's just yeah. such a wonderful buzz, isn't it, that we can have it back again? Yeah. It, it is wonderful. And how great to hear that uh, for Chicago, and um, uh, which wasn't just for Chicago, obviously. It was just for the whole business of everybody somehow being back, sharing communication. This is extraordinary thing that the theatre or live uh, production, live performances, uh, can do. It's, it's kind of unique and I think um, everybody has been missing it. How wonderful that Ooh. hopefully we're further further, and, f and further um, back to something that will become normal again yeah. soon. And the, one thing the last, although ghastly, the last couple of years have shown is really how much for granted we take things and how people have realised that small things like human contact are incredibly important to us and you it starts to make you appreciate things i think in a in a new way yeah i absolutely agree i think it's just that we don't realize how important i mean for myself i love going to the theater and i usually go every week or every other week and to have that just to have it gone and then you just realize how much we've taken it for granted and it's something that I definitely never will do again it's to be able to just to give the standing ovation at the end at the end of a production and just to, you know, to give thanks not just to, for appreciation but thanks as well so I thank you for all that you do and the rest of the people in the business. Oh, well that's wonderful and thank you to all audiences everywhere that um, have stuck with the idea as you have and um, are coming back more and more. Mm. Wonderful. 
So what are you working on at the present and what can we expect to see you in, in or hear you in next? Well, well Roz has just finished the, the airing of Kate and Koji TV uh, sitcom yeah. written by the great uh, Andy Hamilton and Guy, Guy Jenkin, Jenkin. Uh, uh, which um, we are catching up with because they were aired while we were in America. Yes, it's a series two. Yeah. So that, that's just um, finished. finished. We're just completing for radio um, Bedroom Fast by Alan Aikman, a masterwork. And it's never been done on the radio. I think people couldn't quite work out in the past, as much as the play was universally admired, how perhaps to do this particular Aikman play, which is set in three separate bedrooms in a community. It's what happens in three separate bedrooms, three separate households. In the theatre, you've got the three sets side by side uh, across the stage, and but how to do it and make it clear on the radio. But we found a way to do it. I'm not, we're not going to tell you how we did it. We hope you're listening. When, I'm not quite sure when it'll be on. We're the most wonderful cast, led by uh, Susanna Fielding. And Stephen Mangan. And Stephen Mangan. And then three married couples in real life so yeah so um that, that's what we've, we've, we've just been we've just completing that and we're doing other things as well <laughs> we're sort of juggling stuff which has always been our way which is yeah. exhausting but fun yes and we're going to do uh to do oh, yeah. for uh american radio rosencrantz and guildenstern are dead and Twelfth Night. Roz will be directing Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. I'll be directing Twelfth Night and possibly being in it as well. I've only been in Twelfth Night three times before in my career. First time was playing Sebastian when I was very young. And um, Patrick Stewart was Orsino. Uh, that was quite a long time ago, both. And um, uh, then uh, I did... Malvolio in the open air in the park. Oh, and for Peter Hall at the Playhouse yes, Theatre. I played Aguecheek. So I'd always thought I'd quite like to play Sir Toby Belch. So um, being um, being the director, I think I've had a meeting with myself and cast myself as Toby Belch. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, make the director a nice cup of tea and then you might get a chance. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, that's um, we've got to go back and, and do those... Uh, those productions for um, and also we've got a, another play to do for Radio 4 called Perfidy and Perfection. Oh yes, yes, which is a rather nice mm. two-handed play but it's American, American characters so we'll record that whilst we're yeah. there. We've cast uh, a, a wonderful actors that we are, uh, we've worked with before. Simon Helberg uh, who is in the Big Bang Theory, which you may or may not be aware of. Yep. Uh, he's one of the most popular actors now, really, in, in America, in this extraordinarily, uh, extraordinary sitcom where they're all the stars, really. And he, he plays the goofy one. And uh, nothing could be further from the truth because Simon is a hugely intelligent, witty and clever actor. And we've cast his wife, Jocelyn Town, who we've both worked with before, mm -hmm. a wonderful actor and writer. And um, they play this couple. Uh, I won't say any more than that, but it's a couple who uh, seem to get on very well at, at the beginning of this two-handed play. 
but it turns out that they perhaps aren't getting on quite so well and they're perhaps both up to tricks. Mm. Won't tell him more than that, but that will be on sooner or later on Radio 4. <laughs> oh, that's been amazing. Martin Rose, I cannot thank you enough. It's been an absolute joy to spend the last half hour or so with you and it's magnificent. And um, hopefully I will get along to see you at Boswell and we can have a cup of tea. Oh, that will be wonderful. Much looking forward to seeing you and the audiences there. And for us, it's a pleasure too, not only to chat to you. Thank you for all the interest and all the background knowledge you seem to (laughs) bring together. Uh, We're much looking forward to meeting everybody in Ayrshire. Well, not everyone in Ayrshire, but in Dumfries. <laughs> um, or let's just say at Dumfries House um, uh, uh, um, when we come up for that weekend. So thank you. Great. Take care. And you. Thank you. You can find out more about the event and the full list of guests and the schedule at www.boswellbookfestival.co.uk Talking of all things online, you can follow Scottish Field on our social media. You can find us on Twitter at www.twitter.com forward slash Scottish Field. We have a Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash Scottish Field. Or you can see our Instagram page at www.instagram.com forward slash Scottish Field Mag with M-A-G at the end. And of course you can pop by our website www.scottishfield.co.uk which contains unique content that you won't find in the print magazine, as well as links to purchase the magazine online in physical and digital formats. That's all we've got time for this week, and I'm afraid to say that it's the end, but the moment has been prepared for. This will be my final Scottish Field podcast, as today is my last day with the magazine after four and a half years and a little bit more. So huge thanks to all of you for listening, and hopefully one day we'll all meet again. Until then, be seeing you.